Welcome to episode 62 of For the Love of Guns. In this episode, we're going to get dark. Now, I don't mean dark like dark humor or doom and gloom. I've got dark. Dark is a content creator. He's got a great podcast and a great show that he does live. I was on it once and man, we went three hours. When Dark and I get together, we just talk and we talk forever. Now, I really like Dark. This is a special podcast for me because, well, there's not many people that basically thinks almost exactly like I do. Now, before we talk to Dark, let's pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by, well, you. You're the reason that I can continue to bring content, both audio and video. But I need your help to continue this mission. And what I need you to do is, before you go shopping, go to www.trb.fyi. And then when you go there, up in the menu, click on Partners and Discounts. And then find that partner, click on the link, and it'll take you right to their webpage. And the greatest thing is, is that you're going to support the channel, and you're going to do it for free. That's right. This is not going to cost you anything more than you are already going to spend. And even some of these places will give you discounts. I'm working on more and more discounts. I have another one I haven't put up yet. But trust me, I am working hard to bring you discounts to save you money. And while you're saving money, you're also helping out the channel by shopping those links and using those discount codes. Because a small portion of your purchase will come back to the channel and it'll help me continue to bring content. And like I said before, it's not going to cost you a penny more. Now that I'm done blabbering about how much you can support the channel, let's talk to Dark. Dark, tell me about your love of guns. Yeah, so I'm Dark. Um, I run a channel called DLD After Dark, and we focus primarily on gun building, but it's... Um, I'd say anything, freedom, independence, firearms, building, you know, preparedness, self-preservation, anything loosely related to a weapon, <laughs> uh, medical, you know, we, we go through a lot of stuff. Now, it's funny because I remember being on your podcast and I tell everybody that the single podcast that I had the most amount of fun was on yours. And it was like the podcast that never ended. I mean, I think we went like three hours that night just yeah. talking. And I, I had just such an awesome time during that because it was just fun because we talked we talked everything. I mean, we talked guns. We talked about, you know, gun dealers, building guns, uh, preparedness, yeah. uh, debt-free living. I mean, we, we went all over the place on that thing. And it was just... I had so much fun at the in that thing, and I it was just I tell people about that experience. They're like, "Really?" I'm like, "It was it was so much fun because you had no idea where the conversation was going to go, but you just know you're going to have fun getting there." Yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things, and I appreciate that. I do. That means a lot because you know one of the things that I think is kind of lost in um, with what we do is when people have like guests on their channel, they, they get so focused. They have like laser beam focus on 
what that one person is known for, right? Like that one thing. And I really, I like to, I live by this weird motto. It's, uh, you know, don't get furious, get curious. Right. So it's like, uh, I always want to kind of dive deeper and then ask a question then ask another question. Cause I just really want to know like who people are. Uh, so like r some of the people I've had on my show, people are like, Whoa, I didn't know that about rogue Banshee. Or I didn't know that yeah. about, you know, print shoot repeat or, or Brandon Herrera or whoever. Cause we kind of just like to go a little bit deeper, but we do it just with a, a casual conversation. So I appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny. Cause, um, I remember we were talking, we were talking about uh, political affiliations and, and stuff like that. And I remember saying there and they're going, and I was like, yeah, well, I'm a, uh, I'm a, um, God, why can't I think of the name right now? You can tell it's been a long day. Um, uh, I'm a volunteerist and everybody, I remember the chat going, what's that? And then someone yeah. popped in there. He's an anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> just said he's an anarchist yeah <laughs> and and the chat just went nuts um which was a lot of fun with that um and that that, that was too. that this that engagement. was great yeah yeah a lot of engagement that's i'll give it up to to my viewers i have a small channel but man do they engage like crazy sorry to yeah. make up there a little bit no it's fine because I mean, just that was the hard. Honestly, that was the hardest part about being on your podcast was, is you know, the two of us are talking and I'm watching the chat and I'm just like laughing at the crap that's going on in the chat. Yeah. Right? yeah. So like trying to concentrate on the podcast and concentrate on the chat and those guys had me just. I mean, I mean, come on, I, I forget how long ago was it that was on there? It was over a year ago, and. Yeah. I'm still laughing about the stuff that happened during that thing. I mean, it really was just a great time. Um, yeah, it was a blast. And even uh, when we were talking backstage before we got started today, I remembered a story that you told me a year ago about yeah. your, about you cleaning it too often. You know, when yeah, yeah it's, cool. it's cool. That that kind of stuff sticks with you. You know. And it's so funny when you said that, and during the beautiful chat, for for everybody watching or listening, um, that hasn't heard me talk about this before usually during a podcast when when you you start getting the guest on and stuff like that there's a before chat and there's usually an after chat um and what what that is is you know especially like us we know each other you know we're, we're kind of talking just kind of catching up because it's been a long time since we've talked or or even when you're talking with a guest you're kind of warming them up a little bit right you know just trying to trying to get them comfortable especially you know i've had a lot of like first time guests, you know, they've yep. never been on podcasts and I'm also gauging, you know, when we're talking, I'm also gauging how the podcast is going to go and how, you know, how I'm going to have to change some things and stuff like that. And then afterwards we get to talk again. Um, you know, we were joking around right before we hit record because we just realized that we were talking for 50 minutes before we even hit record. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, Hey, we, we, we better get going on this because the two of us will talk forever. Yeah, we'll talk for hours. That's how we ended up with a three-hour-long show on my yeah. channel. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was so funny because, you know, for me, I'm in mountain time. And you're in eastern time, so it was even later for you. Yeah. Um, it was getting really late. And uh, I, I, felt, I kind of felt sorry for you at that because uh, I was like, 
because I could start seeing you fade a little bit. I'm like, yeah, we've been going a long time. Yeah, it's, late. it's become a kind of a you know a normalcy. But uh, yeah, after a while, like you know, a lot of people when they come and watch the show, they're like, man, that's a a long show. It's an hour, two hours, three hours. Sometimes it depends. But like, man, they they're not factoring in like. You woke up, you got a five-year-old, you're running around taking care of your child, and then you go to work, and you work all day, and then you get off work, and you do, like, everything you have to do leading up to that. But I'll tell you, man, yep. there's nothing more, like, fun and refreshing than when you finally sit in front of the camera, and you're like, like, all right, let's do this. Like, that, that's let's something. Let's do this, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's um, I, I agree, man. It's one of the things I, I love about having a podcast. Like, you know, I was telling you in the before chat, some of the people in the audience may may have heard this before. Um, when I do public speaking, I, I tell people, I go, you know, I'm up on stage and you know, I do cybersecurity. So people are like, oh, great. I'll get to listen to this technical speech and stuff like that. And I'm, I warm the audience up going, hey, you know. Uh, my name is Jason Schaller. My last name is Schaller in German and English. It translates to one who's a talkative person. And I have you guys for the next 50 minutes. I have a captured audience and I'm going to talk. Yeah. Right? Usually people start laughing. You know, the, the audience loosens up a little bit. But yeah. it's true. Uh, I mean, that's why we've got talking for 50 minutes. I love talking. You love talking. We just got going and like, like oh, crap, we got to record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. <laughs> recorded like we i swear we could have recorded that like 50 minutes and put that out as oh, a totally. that wouldn't be a bad idea do a little behind oh, the it it's funny because um so joe from shooting gallery new england mm -hmm. he's the same way when we get talking when i'm on his podcast or he's on mine we get talking forever beforehand and mm -hmm. we joked around one time about that we should have just started recording because people probably been laughing their ass off at <laughs> yeah. some of the stuff we're talking about oh yeah oh yeah I mean, I mean, let's face it, when, when the cameras are turned off, we're a little looser about what we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we may need to bleep some stuff out here and there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it would definitely be worth it. Cool stuff. Well, anyways, now that, now that we've just totally talked for eight minutes about talking, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk so, some more about home building. Because, um, yeah. You're, you're a home builder. I'm a home builder. Um, and the people in the audience, some of them were probably home builders. Some are probably curious about home builders. And some are going, I thought the ATF stopped that. Mm. Yeah. They tried. And they tried, but it's not. Like, again, like we were talking about the, the before chat. Um, and, and, as, and for those you know, obviously everybody in the audience wasn't there. I was joking around with my wife going, the one thing I love about Dark is that he's the epitome of if a law is created, an entrepreneur will find a way around that law. <laughs> and for, for the people in the, uh, in the audience there, what I'm talking about is, is that the ATF, you know, you'll hear banned 80% firearms. But then it really became, well, you just can't really sell the 80% frame with the jig. Yeah. And I'm going to bring this up. Dark had a great solution for this. Well, if you can't sell the jig with the frame, 
why not just start a business selling the jigs? Yeah. <laughs> so talk a little bit about the, uh, about the store here. Yeah. So when all this kind of kicked off, um, it actually goes back as far as August of 2021. So, you know, a year before the ATF kind of kicked this off, uh, where they basically came in and, you know, they, um, they said that they wanted to, to hear the public's response on, uh, you know, the, um, what's it called? The federal registry. Right. Um, and there were all these people that were saying, no, 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 you can't take 80%, uh, you know, uh, bills or home bills or privately manufactured firearms. You, you can't say, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. We, I think all- <laughs> both of us were out there yelling on them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I knew I made a decision at that point. Um, I think the 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 level of my you know willingness uh, to uh, deny their new regulation or rule change or redefinition or whatever they want to call it, they're they're just categorizing uh, their opinion under existing law, which in my opinion, isn't fair because this isn't an act of Congress. There's no legislation, you know. Um, But what they did is they said, okay, after, you know, they were doing everything they could to make um, 80% bills and or home bills. And in some cases, they were going after 3D printing uh, as well. And I said, you know what? I am going to make a commitment now that I will do whatever I have to do to keep 80% builds going i always want i want people to have that ability to build in home so even though i wasn't sure that it was going to be this what you're showing here (laughs) i knew that it was going to be something that i was going to do to help the community so um august 24th was when the uh redefinition of uh what a frame or receiver is and when it constitutes being a firearm i guess um they said that like you mentioned the frame the jig, instructions, templates, tooling, all this stuff, it can't be all sold together. If it is together, it is a firearm. So as this started to change, I saw some companies come out and start selling what they called frame blanks and nobody was selling jigs. So some people were buying frame blanks, which is just the frame by itself. For most of the people out there, they probably know if they don't that to build an 80% Glock, for an example, you need the, the frame. You also need a jig to know exactly where to drill, where to mill out, where to remove material, where to remove the tabs, the channel. And um, solutions were coming out for the frames, but nothing was coming out for the jigs. People were u- reusing their old one or whatever they were doing. And I was like, you know what? Here's my calling. This is what I need to do. I need to reach out to different resources and I just need to purchase jigs. And I didn't even intend on, you know, this being a profitable venture. I was just like, I'm going to stick it to the ATF because they're completely unregulated. And um, also I sell other, you know, gunsmithing tools and things like that. Very, very minimal tools, but I just wanted to take part in keeping eighties alive and this is a very good nonviolent option of me opposing yes. <laughs> of me opposing the uh, the ATF's non 
act of Congress non-legislation uh, BS that they put in on the 24th. Sorry, that was a long explanation of what it was. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's all good because, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this going, you know, okay, that's the whole idea of the ATF is they're trying to redefine it. And it's the wording that gets stuck on is, is readily converted, right? Yeah. It is what they were kept on coming up in that regulation. It could be regularly converted. There is no way a jig can be readily converted to expel a bullet. Yep. It's just not, it's not going to happen. So there's nothing they can do to the jigs, although they'll give it a try, right? I mean, we've heard years ago, uh, Nancy Pelosi talking about, oh, we're going to go after the, the, the tools to make guns. And like, yeah. Good try. So what you're saying is that if you have um, a car, an auto repair shop, and you do brake jobs and you mill down rotors, well, a mm -hmm. mill can be made can make a gun. Not necessarily the ones that do do the rotors, but you never know. You might have an actual mill or a machine shop. Yeah. All of a sudden, all these other industries are going to need an FFL just because they own a piece of equipment that could produce a gun and not even just an ffl they would need an 0702 sot yep. license well, yeah and they even yeah. when when atf came in and said okay you guys can't buy these um uh solvent um trap kits Traps. because yep. you know too readily available to become silencers uh, they even referenced in their literature that something as simple as a six inch pipe from Home Depot, those words exactly, could be considered a silencer part. Yeah. Crazy. Which, and that's the whole thing is they're, they're going through this stuff. I mean, let's face it, you know, I'm not a big fan of politicians. I don't care what party you are, I'm just not a big fan of politicians. Yeah. Um, and they don't know what they're talking about. Really, they don't. Right. They're, they're just going to come out. I mean, obviously, you know, an AR-15 needs to be banned because the bullet coming out of an AR-15 is what four times faster than any other gun in the world. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you scratch your head going, yeah, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like that, guys. But, you know, so they come out with stupid <laughs> stuff and they'll stay. They'll say stuff like that. Yeah. OK. Yeah. The six the six inch plate. I mean, if they're going to go that far, they're going to say, um, you know, AutoZone or Napa needs an FFL because they sell silencers in the form of fuel filters and oil filters. Yep. Right? I mean, well, there, there's a, a really famous story of a man named Adam Grubb. And I say his name because I know he's totally okay with me saying it. And he's actually come on my show before. And um, he built an illegal machine gun using a um and he's already been convicted and served his time and left a better completely rehabilitated man uh but at the time he he illegally built full auto stand gun out of a uh muffler from advanced auto so they can't they they can't regulate this the way that they intend to, the the way that they believe they can stop home building, is is number one. It's not going to stop what they think it is, and, and number two, 
there's so much already done, like just with 3D printing and 80 percenters and the 330 million ARs and AKs out there already, you're not going to be able to, to restrict this the way that you intend to, ATF, number one. Number two, you can't legislate against evil. Evil will be evil with or without the usage of firearms, no matter how easy they are to, to get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you think about it, so, you know, for anybody that's thinking in the audience, you know, I, I don't get that. The prime minister of Japan was assassinated this year. Yep. By a, now, Japan has insane gun laws. Yep. He was assassinated by a home-built gun. Yep. It's go, it, you can't stop it. It's just, it's not going to happen. You know, I don't care where you go with this. It, you're, you're talking about knowledge. I mean, that's an amazing, you know, gun that they built. It was, it was a complete piece of junk compared to everything, but it did its job. Yeah. And not only, <clears throat> excuse me, and not only was it a home-built firearm, he homemade the black powder to load yeah this uh, electrically charged, electrically discharged, um, home-built, muzzle-loading shotgun. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so, you know, I grew up in, uh, well, in high school, I was I went to high school in Delaware. So Delaware was where, where DuPont started when they were making gunpowder, uh, the Hagley Museum. It has the old mills where they used to mill the gunpowder. And I remember the design of these things when you're talking about it. It was over the Brandywine River. I forget what, but basically there's a river that goes past it. The way this was designed is when they, when they would blow up <laughs> making gunpowder, they would blow out into the river. You think about that and you go, making gunpowder is not a, safe, not a very safe process to do without the right equipment. Um, that guy's probably lucky he didn't blow himself up at home. Oh yeah, he he did it. You can very easily accidentally make uh, the wrong chemicals too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but it's just more evidence showing that even if their intentions are pure, which I believe that it's truly for power and you know them just to overreach, and, yeah, to control. Um, even if their intentions were pure, it shouldn't be that difficult to understand, oh, even if guns are illegal, murder is illegal. For every mass tragic event that's occurred, murder was still illegal that day. It was still illegal to walk into a school with a firearm. It was still illegal for them to get drunk or high or whatever they did before. Like, you cannot legislate against evil. And if it's not a... $500 Glock or $1,000 AR, or in some cases, a $2,000 AR, or two $2,000 ARs, um, it, it's going to be a $3 can of gas and a lighter. You know, the, it, there's no way to truly stop evil unless you're talking about good men that are skilled in violence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because um, I mean, I mean, pressure cookers became a thing, right? Um, Boston bombing, yep. uh, that pressure cookers and nails and stuff like that. I mean, you just can't stop. You can't stop evil. It, it's going to happen. So 
the way I look at it is, is that you prepare for it, right? Mm -hmm. the, the genie's out of the bottle, bottle, you can't put it back in. Well, now you're going to take a tool that I can use to protect myself and take it away from us. It just, it doesn't work. I mean, you know, it, it's so funny mm -hmm. where I, you hear, uh, I'm going to switch a little bit to gun control here, but we've been kind of talking about it is, you know, you have all these people saying, hey, cops, only people that can have guns should be cops. But yet they're also the same people that say we don't want to have cops, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, yep. defund the police and stuff like that. You know, these people kind of have almost a, a demented mind at that point. They don't know what they want. They just know that they want to ban an object. And by banning that object, magically, we're going to live in this utopia doesn't work yeah i mean like you they said believe that murder's once, still illegal yeah. i could still kill somebody with these two things you know yeah yeah absolutely or you know something like that you know <laughs> like that yeah yeah it's what you're saying because i was looking at my at my knives over there um but yeah i mean it's I, I like where you like what you say about you can't regulate evil. Um, it, it's I think that's got to be one of the best sayings I've ever heard because it's true. Yeah, I I gotta say, Flying Rich, a friend of mine, a friend of the channel, a friend of yours, and, and your channel, uh, Flying Rich was one of the the first people that. Uh, that I heard, and I may have heard it a hundred times, right? But for some reason, the moment that he said it, it, it resonated it's with tough. me and it clicked. And he said, uh, yeah, he was like, you can't, you can't legislate against evil. And the only thing that protects us from evil is good men that are skilled in violence. Now that has become something that I say on my show Every single show that I do, I close every show exactly the same. And that is one of the things that I say in that. So it became very important to me. Yeah, it's, I absolutely agree with that. Like, um, so, you know, Jordan from JST Supply, which you know, and I, I know. Um, it's so funny that I, I, mm -hmm. I, for some reason, I thought the two of us were going to show up in JST Supply. And neither one of us did. Um, and, and I'm one of the ones that thought about we were yeah. both going to show up. But so Jordan is, you know, a really good friend of the channel. Uh, I've known Jordan for a long time. And just talking about, you know, he was he was on the podcast and we were talking about this stuff. And he was talking about I'm, you know, during the pandemic, people couldn't get guns, but they could buy my product and make one and still protect their family. Um, you know, you're a big yeah builder i'm a big builder i'll show i'll show my you know my build or at least one of them um you can build that at home right i mean when you're talking about writing to the atf about the regulation one of the things i said in my comment was don't stop yeah, see, i love i love your builds see i'm a very stock person just because i the only thing i added was a 3d printed magwell that's in wonderful purple there um I actually have yeah, a, yeah. a bunch of a bunch. Of, yeah. I'll, I'll send you some in my uh, color. I got my uh, my blue denim uh, ceramic. I'll send you oh, some nice. of these too. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. but yeah, 
but yeah, you know, one of the things I said in my in my in my um, my response was is don't kill an American tradition that predates America. This is yeah. this is something we've done. We've done it for you know before the country was founded. People yeah. built guns. They had to maintain it. Um, I think one of the things I said is you know today uh, today's home builder just might be tomorrow's John Browning. Yeah. Right? You have no idea what home building is going to do. And then I say that and I think back, you know, I think now a year later, seeing what's going on with the 3D printing, the, the designs that have come out are just absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, you know, they're I, incredible. The whole, they're incredible. I, and I, I sit there and go, um, where do people even come up with this? Right. And that's the thing is it, it spurs um, thought and creativity. I mean, designing a, a frame is as much art as it is science, right? I mean, yep. we got to deal with certain physics and things like that. But at that time, um, what's I'm trying to remember who it is that is in the uh, JSD Invitational came out with scales, dragon scales. Yeah, that was uh, um, it was who? Cron. Uh, Cron uh, is. Yeah. Uh, yep. is is part of a very small uh, group called the uh, the Freedom Co. And Freedom Co. has probably the best. Not and I love all my developers out there. I love all the devs. Love all you guys. Yep. And the Freedom Co. has some of the best devs in the business. They have Cron who is a master with carbon fiber nylon and is yep. just beast. Uh, Invader Zip, who is the uh, developer of the ARC. Um, Digital Nimbus Labs, who actually had a lot to do with this frame, which, I mean, this thing, and this is printed on a stock uh, Ender 3, and I mean, it's it, like the stippling, it's, it's incredible. Um, and um, um, who else? Dojnado, uh, like some of the best devs in the business, and I admire them a lot. And what they're coming out with is crazy. They came out with this team came out with the first three D printed upper for a Mac Eleven. Completely. Yeah, free I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That thing's awesome. I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, we think about three D printing. Um, no one, everyone said you couldn't build an AK out of plastic. And then the plastic cough came out, right? Yep. It's okay. It's ugly as sin, right? You got <laughs> bolts on the side and things like that, but it works. I mean, it does the job. Yeah. Um, the set you have. Go ahead. The, the set me as well. The set me. Yeah, and set me. Yep. Three, a 308. You see, yeah. you have a 762 by 39, now a 308. I mean, we've gone beyond the 22 calibers. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is what we can do with plastic now is, is amazing. And that's why we shouldn't be punishing these people. They, these are spurring what can we do with new materials. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah like, you know, Maybe, you know, and we're, we're printing out of PLA, which for those of you know, uh, that don't know, PLA is where everybody starts, right? Yeah. And then 
we can print this out of just the cheapest plastic. And then we can mix it all the way up to the exotics where you have the, the nylons and the carbon fiber infused nylons and, and stuff like that. Uh, it's, it's amazing what you could do. Yeah. Even, um, you know, some of these things like, uh, you could print a, a frame like this and, and I'm a sucker for blue guns. It may not be easy to see with the lights that are blue, but yeah, <laughs> all of these guns up here are all, blue guns that were made to it's it's because my uh my logo's blue so like everything somehow turns blue around me i don't know <laughs> uh, and then when i print things for my daughter you know i i print uh blue but anyway um there is uh so, like something like a um a polycarbonate which is you know a hair stronger than a traditional pla plus but you don't necessarily need like an all metal hot end or like it, it's not really in the exotics and you kind of max out your, your temperature, but it's, you know, it's something you could do with a standard stock Ender three. Like I, I got one for 99 bucks. You can print in uh, the protopasta HTPLA, which is super, you know, dense stuff. And it's just like, this was what, $3 worth of filament, yeah. you know? So it's, it's cool as hell. And, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't use one as my EDC for a decade, but no. In a but, but at that point, at that point, you can afford to do one every six months and replace it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you think of like um so the liberator. The liberator is a great example. Um the purpose of it was, you know, the liberators, single shot 45 ACPs were, you know, dropped all over the place for normal civilians to be in during World War II, to be able to pick them up and use as a tool specifically to arm yourself with a bad guy's gun. And these could be our, well, I probably shouldn't say that. These may one day be somebody's liberator, right? It, it's not made to run 100,000 rounds through, but this could be used to further arm themselves if they needed to during a time without rule of law of of sorts. You can take that out or, if you want. <laughs> or yeah, no, it's it's fine because I mean it, it's one of those things of um, tools have a purpose, right? I don't care what it is, tools have a purpose. Yeah. A firearm is a tool. Yeah. A hammer is a tool, uh, you know, a screwdriver is a tool. Some tools are designed to last longer than others. Yeah. And some are designed not to last longer. These we're not talking about, you know, heirloom firearms here. We're talking about, you know, taking something and making making something that is realistic. You know, I'm not gonna sit there and print something off a 3D printer and go, cool, this is something I'm gonna hand down to my kids. No, because if I leave that plastic in my car on a hot summer day, it's it's destroyed, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that's not what it is. And and but again, we're we're using you know a, a spool of filament. You know, PLA plus is what twenty five bucks for a spool. Yeah. yeah. A and you have people designing new stuff, and it's it's amazing the the you know just the artistic value that they're putting into these things. Oh yeah. It wouldn't, 
it, it wouldn't surprise me that if firearm manufacturers aren't watching this stuff, right? Because yeah. they might be looking at something. If something hits, somebody might pick it up. So I think some are, and um, a company like SIG, for an example, you know, they're starting to, and they've been doing this for a little while, and they're not the only company, but using them as an example, they're starting to use additive manufacturing using steel and Inconel for their suppressors. And let me just one thing too, like uh, the 3D printed um, uh, grip modules for a SIG 320, those lasts way longer than a Glock frame because you have an all metal chassis inside. Yep. yep. And this one was one of the mups that I did. Don't, don't look at the back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it runs, it runs like a champ. I'll tell you that I, my, my internet's clipping in and out. Give me one second. I'm gonna... Oh, I forget what we we're saying. Now. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, some guns that, we, that we've built. What, uh, what kind yeah. of, have, have you, or you, you go ahead and leave it. You go ahead. So, so yeah, so, you know, we've been talking about the plastic guns, typically Glock. Most people think of, you know, the, the Glocks, uh, the polymer 80s and stuff like that, because they're easy to build. My first 80% was, well, it's not this, but it was a 1911 was wow. my first, first 80%. Um, this is one that I've been working on for a couple of years. Um, wow. But uh, I got, man, if you want to talk about building guns, uh, you haven't built something until you build a 1911 because uh, it's just, it, it's a different animal. That's um, a, it, a whole journey. It, it is. And, and, and that is not an easy build. And, and I love that gun to death. Um, uh, and Obviously, I liked it because I haven't built this one forever, too. Um, this, it's funny because this gun here, I did, a, I did an article on my website. It was um, building, uh, can I build a, 19, a 1911, an 80% 1911 for under $400? And this was the gun, and I actually fired it, and it worked. Now I'm like, let's, let's have fun with it and modify the crap out of it because, you know, I'm doing a melt job on it, and, you know, I did a front. Uh, checkering, which actually I did a video on checkering, and this was the frame. I saw that. But, that was impressive. Is that one of the Sarco kits? Yeah, uh, the upper half was in a Sarco kit. Yeah, so this is actually in a Sarco frame uh, slide uh, nice. barrel, and everything was all uh, all Sarco. The mm -hmm. frame um, is a uh, tactical machining frame, okay. which. Oddly enough, we're talking about 80% and they had a really good judgment go their way. Yeah. Um, but so I, you know, I, I like 1911s and it's funny. I didn't, I didn't get into 1911s until I was older and uh, I really like them. I like them for the, you know, the artistic value. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, how I ended up building my first 1911 was um, I liked most and most viruses videos. Mm -hmm. amazing 1911 builds he did. And uh, I really wish he was still producing videos because he did a great job. I think he's taught more people how to build 1911s than all the gunsmithing schools in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but I, that was my first journey into it was uh, 1911s. 
Uh, from 1911s, I went into the MUP once, which was the JSD that you showed. Uh, I was the first uh, build video for JSD. Uh, yeah. I bought one, made that video. Um, it, was, it just happens to be the the one video that got me in a lot of trouble with YouTube because that was uh, the video that was in the infamous um, congressional letter. Uh, congressional letter. Which yep. guy? Which got? Yeah. So that. So as, as Jordan likes to say, I'm I'm Congress famous um, uh, because of, of his of the video I did on his product. I don't know um, if it actually, but when that came out, uh, I did a a video on that letter, and uh, I mentioned you and uh, P. E. Ralph, which is a friend. Yeah, Ralph on there three times. NBC Ralph. Some people like to call him. <laughs> yep. So, so it's funny because when that came out, um, I contacted Ralph. You know, Ralph and I were kind of talking. We didn't really know each other. I kind, you know, we just kind of knew each other. And then um, I contacted him like, dude, let's do it. Let's let's do a podcast on this letter. And he's like, let's do it, man. And I had a great time talking to him. Um, he's an awesome. He was living. He was living out your way back then. Yeah, um, he was in uh, Maryland, yep. right. Maryland was putting new laws in that would make any unserialized firearm uh, frame receiver, any P80, any 3D printed uh, frame completely illegal. It would be felonious activities. And he's sitting here with a whole display shelf of like <laughs> yeah. 150 frames behind him, literally. And uh, he was like, man, I'm getting out of here. And he up and moved to Texas. And I Texas. love I love that he was that committed to the community, to the cause, to every. He said, "You know what? I'm not going to change. Well, I'm not going to change my activities, but I'll change where I do them." And he he said he's out in Maryland and uh, he's still building. So gotta love that. Well, the one thing I loved about uh, about P80 is that he, so you know he he immigrated to this country. Yeah, and. It's great, see, you know, where he's like, I'm in this country and I can build a gun. And then, of course, it freaks out his family. Um, you know, yeah. we were talking about that before, you know, and before chat about freaking families out about building these things. But, yeah. um, you know, he's got this, I got this whole new skill. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's a handy person anyway, right? I mean, he's he's been in construction and, yeah, but he, you don't need to be, you know, like for me, I, the way I was going was, just, I went backwards in my journey, right? I started off with the hardest gun and ended up with the easiest gun. Yeah. Uh, because the the um, Polymer 80 was, you know, after the, the MUP 1, I went to Polymer 80. And um, yeah, it was, I, I did the journey backwards. Most people worked their way up to the 1911s, but I yeah. actually was happy I started with the 1911s because I learned so much. And I, you know, I was a gun dealer for 10 years. I mm. did some light gunsmithing. I learned so much about guns by doing that 1911. Yeah. I mean, you have to adjust every single Everything. part, the fit and the finish. You have to become very intimate with files and sandpaper and rotary tools. And I mean, by the end, I mean, you know everything about that gun. And I think that's that's kind of where I knew that, you know, 
I wanted to. Oh wow, yeah, you you got it. <laughs> so they're all files I bought just to do that build. This is actually the checkery file I used for the front strap, but these are all files I bought for that. And then on top of that, I bought stones <laughs> to stone no. everything down to, yep. to finish it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's funny because uh, Ralph, Petey Ralph was one of the first guys that I met where in the conversation we're talking about building because, and it's funny too, because like you said, he came from Brazil where the only people that had guns were cops and robbers and it was like guns are bad, you know, then he comes over here and um, he's just, if anybody out there hasn't heard of or watched the content on Petey Ralph, um, please go do it. However, absolutely. Uh, though he recently, um, he's, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I feel for him badly, man. So I'll I'll give him a little bit more of a shout out because he came in, he built a channel based on P80s and building and strike 80s and printing, and you know, has built built a huge following. Then his channel was taken from him. YouTube totally squashed him out. Then he said, you know what? I'm not ready to give up. So he came back and he started another channel and he built it back up and then they banned him. And not only did they ban him, they banned him for life. They banned life. all of his emails. They banned his cell phone number, his IP address. I mean, everything. He had to um, do some tricks just to get an account to be able to comment on people's <laughs> videos. Um, but I guess... The point of what I was bringing up about him is I knew that he was really serious about building when I was having a conversation with him. And, you know, I'm I'm blessed that I've been building for so long that, you know, I have dozens and dozens of builds that I can say, oh, that's weird. That slide and barrel combination, that parts combination, that doesn't work. So I need to take that off. Let me try an OEM. Okay, that's weird. Let me try a you know, this, let me try that. And I can just switch stuff for, for days and days. And when he started talking about um, adjusting the fit and finish of rails and using a micrometer to measure rear rail, front locking bar, I was like, okay, this dude knows what's up because I'm, I'm one of the few guys that like, know that, that actually does. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but when you hear somebody talking about building at that level, Usually you hear, oh, P80s jam. Uh, no, not necessarily. A, a yeah. P80 that is poorly manufactured jams. You know, so I respect him a, a great deal. Yeah, I do too. He, he's, he's, he knows his stuff. Um, I, I love talking to him because he was going through that stuff. And it's like, like you know, I think about, um, it may have even been this frame. Um, where the rear rails were actually riding high. And I'm like, well, what the hell? And it's the, you know, the rails were actually, you know, where this, this whole backstrap curves, yeah. the rail section, I actually needed to file down. Yeah. Otherwise this gun was gonna, you know, the slide was gonna be like this on the frame. And I'm like, that's just not gonna work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's where I went, you know, Hey, look, it's you need to still think about these. It, yes, don't get me wrong. Polymer 80s are the easiest, uh, the easiest builds to do, 
mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they're perfect. I mean, yep. you still need to put some thought into it. You know, I, I, I haven't, you know, it's like, you know, you see the comments that I've got this problem with it. And people are like, oh, yeah, you, you know, this problem existed. You need to do this. And, you know, you know that, that person just bought the kit going, I'm just going to throw this thing together. Yep. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out. They expect it to to fit. And I, and I hear so often people say, and I've even said it too, I'm guilty of it, where I say, you know, assembling ARs is like Legos, right? Or building P80s are like Legos. And I understand that, that concept. And yes, it is easier than other options, like you said. But um, the people that say, oh, it's like Legos are the ones that are like, hey, I put on my slide and I can't rack it back, you know, like I actually had, a build. I, this is build number 37 for me. And sadly I'm counting. This is build number 37 and I put on, so a, oh, I can show it. I forgot. I'm, I'm, I'm not used to being able to show my, my guns. Yeah. It's a, it's a recording so we can, uh, we can handle firearms. Yeah, man, this is awesome. So again, with the blue, okay, it's uh, all blue titanium. Now this is a blue titanium uh, 26 size frame, but it's not a 26. This is a Glock 33 and 357 SIG. And it's a little rare. You don't see a lot of people building them nowadays, but this is a P80 frame with um, all OEM lower parts and all OEM... Uh, slide, I guess with the Cerakote, you can't really see, but it says uh, here, it says 357 on it. Um, OEM slide, OEM barrel, OEM internals, OEM LPK, OEM mag. I mean, everything is OEM Glock, right? I put the, uh, I put the slide on and it wouldn't rack back. I mean, I could barely get it to rack back. Most people would say, well, well, shit, my, my P80's not working, right? I was like, okay, what do I need to change? So popped it off, <laughs> you know, started looking at, uh, you know, the front uh, rail and locking block and the rear rail and uh, just started measuring and uh, polishing and, you know, very, very lightly and slightly removing material. Another uh, piece of it is the Cerakote, but the other piece is that, Every single Glock um, uh, barrel lugs are, are not to be treated equally. And the front locking block, and this, I haven't cleaned this one up, guys, so don't judge me on my work here, but because uh, <laughs> I, I have a process afterwards that I go and clean up everything afterwards. So it's not the cleanest one I've done, but um, holes are pretty, pretty clean, though. But uh, every single one is going to be different so this this was super tight so i had to make some adjustments and i had to look at uh you know what was going on there but even now if i just set it right it got some sticking in it yeah yeah what kind of stick and uh you know just something i need to work out but that's that's kind of the fun i have with it is like oh this one doesn't work yes like let me you know go through and, and file and remove well, it's like, um, so, you know, from JSD Supply, the, the patent of slides, yep. right? So this is the 17, I have a 19, and um, also for the, uh, the, the MUP1, or the P320. And the one thing I found with patent of slides is they're tight. 
It doesn't matter if it's a Glock or a SIG. They're tight. Yeah. And people, I've heard people go, that sucks. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's good. Yeah. Because that's good. now you can tune that thing. I mean, this this particular Glock 17 slide, I probably have, because, you know, I was sitting there measuring things. I'm like, it's not enough for me to pull a file out. Yeah. But let me put some, um, uh, the compound on it, right? Yeah. And I just, just like I do with a slide for a 1911, I put it on there and rack this thing probably about two or 300 times, literally. Yep. And it, it, I mean, it, I can't get it to stay out of battery. I mean, it's, it is, the, this has got to be the smoothest running slide that I've ever had for a Glock. And I used to compete with Glocks. There's an interesting thing where it's almost like the combination of uh, parts of lower, uh, lower parts kit, upper barrel, locking blocks, and all this, it's almost like a, like a marriage, right? And, and when you first put it together, it's like you first introduce them, right? Then they have to spend yep. some time together, you know, and they got to get to know each other. This is my uh, titanium. I love that. Yeah, I love that. This thing is uh, pretty freaky, but a lot of people don't know. This is a JSD uh, 34 slide. This is um, this is a really cool one. Uh, I, uh, I had a lot of fun with this. And that is a 3D printed Magwell with a factory Glock. Um, and I, I threw in some rose gold, like the extractors, rose gold, the, <laughs> um, um, slide releases, rose gold, just cause I like the, you know, the, yeah. and then everything else, even the guide rod is chameleon. This is like my, uh, my unicorn gun, but this kind of started out the same way. This was like tight and I felt like it was kind of contacting, um, like the, uh, the rear rails were a little, a little high and I just kind of started making some, uh, slight improvements and, um, yeah, it's fine. But here's the interesting thing through all this, right? Like through all of this gun building and I've literally helped run classes, teaching people how to build P80s and none of these have ever hurt anybody. None of these have, some haven't even made it to the, you know, damn range, <laughs> you know, yeah. just from being busy but it's it's just so interesting that you know they would want to threaten a, a craft that allows us to express ourselves and and you know being the person that i am i'm a husband a father a business owner you know that also happens to build guns for for any legislator for any politician for any you know anyone that believes they're in power over our god-given rights that are supposed to be protected by the constitution for them to think that they're 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 doing something positive by removing this tool that could potentially be our only ticket to self-preservation is is wrong and it literally goes against every single thing that they stand and take an oath for and it drives me crazy because yeah. we're we're sitting here talking about this and it's so fun and, and joyous and then something just hit me that that like 
It's being threatened. Sorry, I didn't mean to change the mood there for a minute. No, but. no it's, it's not because I like how you're talking about expression. So when I was in FFL, you know, you were talking about Cerakote earlier. I remember when I went, when I started doing Cerakote work. And I really loved doing Cerakote work because I'm a very technical person. So I don't really get to ex, you know, express myself very much. And then I started doing Cerakote work and I'm like, well, this is cool. You know, now I can look at a gun and go, well, I'm going to do this gun. You know, I'm going to do the frame this color, the slide this color and barrel. You know, and I start looking at colors and how they work together. Yeah. Right. And then it, you know, that led me down to, um, I was buying surplus guns and I was sort of coding them and then putting them, you know, reselling them afterwards. And then, and I had some great color combinations. You know, I got to the point where I had a, it was a Smith and Wesson that I had, it was a titanium frame with a, with a graphite black slide, but the, the front on the dust cover and right here off the front, mm -hmm. I did a red stripe around the dust cover Nice, and it looked great. It was just a little bit of an accent. Yeah. When that thing went to auction, firefighter bought it. Mm, thin red line. Thin red line. And this is pre-thin red line stuff, right? He just, I, that he's like, that gun just, I saw it and I just had to have it because it, 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 it was me. And, you know, I started doing Cerakote work for other people. Um, and that was really the coolest thing about, about that is you could do, like you're saying, you could express yourself. I want this, and I want this, I want this. I mean, I'm looking over at a. Oh, hell, I'll just hold it since we can. I mean, here's a here's a 308 AR build that I'm doing. Um, I went this stock. Just it, I looked at it and went, "That's me. I love it. I love the red anodized to it." Um, cool. And you just can do so many different things. Um, you don't have to have boring gun yeah yeah and i think i see guys all the time like uh you know with just a, a glock and just a boring black glock and, and that's cool too right like uh yeah there's nothing wrong with it yeah yeah i think it, it just gives you a little bit of extra pride to be like wow you know I, like yeah and and like i i sat and and i and i planned out everything down to the splatter on it you yeah, know look at that really cool yeah. like even the the red dot battle worn yep yep and and the the barrel you know yeah uh, it's just cool man and it's like it even the light i personally did the the light um a lot of the other cerakote was done by uh arcane tactical um which is a a great cerakoter uh, but, uh, you know, it's just like, like, this is mine and, you know, there's never going to be another one like it, you know? Well, and what's cool about that is when you go to the range and you pull that out, people are going to look at it and go, well, what the hell is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the coolest thing. Cause you know, like you and I, we both admit we like to talk to people, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I show up with a gun, um, here, oh this out um this is actually an ar i've been pulling back apart because it's going to be repurposed mm -hmm. um you know this was the first time i did 
flat in Surcoat. This okay. is a 308. And, um, you know, I showed up to the range. Um, here's the lower. Um, and the lower I did as, uh, as a, uh, a mat. So I had a flat receiver with a mat um, lower. Mm. And people came up and went, they're looking at it going, huh. Uh, like, why did you do that? And I go, well, I'm an FFL. I do surcoat work. And I did this. Number one, I like the color. And number two, I did it so that when my customers come over, they can see the difference of flat versus matte uh, right next to each other on the same gun. No. And it ended up being coming just because of that combination. It became such a, uh, a conversation piece at the range. It also didn't help here. I got parts all over the place. Here, here was the break that I did. And I oh. circuited it red, crimson. Yeah, and and thinking about it afterwards, I probably shouldn't have chosen red for a muzzle break. Um, in certain states, that could get you into some trouble. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, gun I think, laws. Yeah, I think I think those laws typically state like blaze orange. But you're right. Yes. You're, uh, it's we you know gray area, weighty waters. Yeah. But it's just one of those things of um, you can do so much. I mean, mm -hmm. Building a gun is one thing, right? I mean, that's the greatest thing. You know, I was on a, a podcast one night. We were talking about 80% uh, and, and the host didn't understand 80%, right? He's like, oh, it's, a, it's, it's the new fad and stuff. I'm like, man, I've been doing 80% before it became a big fad. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and they're like, well, I looked at this stuff and it's not cheap. I'm like, no, it's cheaper to buy a gun than it is to build one of these things. Yeah. You don't, if you're building an 80% because it's cheap, you're doing it wrong. You're yeah. building it because you want pride. You want bragging rights. You, it, it's, it's you, right? I did that. That's yeah. 80%. That's, that's home built. Yeah. And that's, when, when you sit down and you, you do a build, if you properly do a build, it is likely you'll encounter challenges. And to, to be able to sit down, I, like I do most of my work with P80s with uh, hand tools. Uh, I will use a rotary tool to drill the holes. Uh, but aside from that, I'm using hand tools for everything, to remove the tabs, to remove the channel. And you do come up like with unique challenges during during those times, but you also kind of come up with unique uh, solutions too, and unique opportunities to learn. Like, um, so a lot of people uh, when they're doing uh, eighty percenters, I'll grab this. Actually, you know what? I'll grab this. So you know, um, Strike Eighty had their eighty percents come out, and they were exceptionally rare. Uh, once they became discontinued. And this is an arcane tactical, seracoded and, and stippled. You can see he put his wing on there and all that yep. stuff. I mean, the amount of work that they put into this is crazy. So he, he did, did the lower for me. I can't take credit for that. However, when it came to the point of me drilling this, I was like, okay, this is a five to $600 frame. Just a bare frame alone, they're going for five to six hundred bucks, yep. and then it's got a two hundred and fifty dollar paint and stipple job on it. I'm about to drill holes in an eight hundred 
or bare frame. <laughs> yeah. You know? psyching myself out the video of me doing it is actually on my instagram funny enough but it took like some courage to do that and i've built a lot but i didn't want the uh like the the holes to be ugly right i i, I wanted yeah. the the exterior of the holes to be like as beautiful as possible especially for such a gorgeous frame especially with the little twizzler that thing's got hanging yeah, out i love that it's a really cool this is 100 percent strike so strike sights, strike slide, strike barrel with the um, uh, uh, flutes. Floating. What do you yep. call it? Uh, spiral flutes. Spiral and, flutes, yep. Yeah, and uh, of course, strike frame, strike uh, magwell, everything. and uh, But with an OEM lower parts kit. But when I found myself like about to drill this thing, I was kind of like nervous, even though I'd done dozens of them. And... Yeah. There were a couple spots that didn't line up perfectly. So what I did is I took a rat tail file and I used the sharp end and I only um, filed on the inside of the hole, right? So when I when it came time to push the pins in, when I got them, you know, pushed in appropriately, the outside of the holes were still beautiful, no problems at all, but the inside of the holes was where I, I found material away. So it still stayed beautiful. And, you know, I got to drill my ridiculously expensive uh, frame, but now I didn't, I didn't pay that you guys. I'm, I'm just saying what, what the market cost is, yeah. uh, but this is my only viral Glock uh, is this, uh, this one right here. But, and that's what I love about, about that gun uh you know and a lot of your builds is just you put so much into your builds i mean we see so many people put things well i mean let's face it mine's a very boring build because mine has a purpose mine is not this gun is not for looks this gun is for honestly testing you know this is where i'm going out and i'm testing flashlights and stuff like that and i'm just beating i'm beating the hell out of this gun yeah, um, and I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah, you get into some of my uh, P320s. It's a little different, you know. I'm, 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 I'm not really beating those up. Some of them, no, some of them I do. But um, yeah, you know, my competition gun, my, you know, my, my P320 is a competition gun is running a JST frame. Nice. Um, it, you know, and it's so funny when I was when I built that, and I remember putting it yeah. out there, going, "All right." Should I run the JSD or should I run the factory? And I remember Jordan was like, I'll run the JSD. I'm like, you're not really the most impartial person to say this. Yeah. Um, but I did. I ran it. I ran it and, and it ran flawlessly. And what I loved about that was, you know, I, again, I left extra material when I bent the frills. Mm -hmm. um, that slide is mated to those frame rails. I did work on that. And, it's a smooth running gun. It's a very tight gun, especially for a P320. I mean, P320s yeah. are kind of like Glocks. They, you know, they they jiggle, they have sounds and stuff like that. But yeah. I took a lot of that out when I was doing the build. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people if people that think about, hey, you can just throw these things together. It, it really, you know, sometimes that works out, but a lot of times you get a lot of thought goes into it. Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh... Sometimes, like you said, sometimes th 
things will just kind of get thrown together. And, you know, you, you like people out there that are listening and your viewers will, as time goes on, you start to see that different companies have different specs on their stuff, yep. right? You know, like, you know, JSD stuff is going to be tighter. Um, 1776 Supply Co. is going to be, you know, a little bit more loose, not not too loose. Uh, like, in, in my opinion, it's 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 good. It's it's like a perfect it's practical. Yeah, yeah. It's you know where they're they're more likely to to run on on more slides and and you know um, are, the slides are more likely to work on more frames and and that's kind of a good happy medium. Uh, but you know, I I gotta say, like my uh, my MUP one, the three twenty. This is one of the ones that I built, and um, I recently got a factory OEM serialized uh, fire control unit or group or whatever. And I took all the JSD lower parts out of it, and I threw it in a factory serialized SIG um, fire control unit, and I was having issues. I was like, it's crazy because mine ran. Totally fine. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's it's that marriage thing, you know. Like they uh, they do really have to be. I hate to say like, oh, it needs to break in, but sometimes yes, and sometimes the builder needs to be the one to potentially expedite things, and you know, yep. kind of you know, polish, remove, sand, sparkle stuff up, and then after that, once you get everything built and all together, then you can start making it pretty. Cool. Take it. Cerakote, whatever. Uh, yeah. My my first MUP one, um, which was the, the build video that we talked about that was the, the famous um, Congress letter. Mm -hmm. When I finished that build, now I had been running 320s for, for a little while when I did that. Not too long because they were still a relatively new gun back then, but I know 320s. When I got done that 320, it had a 10 pound trigger pull to it. When wow. I built that my first MUP one, I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> okay. It, it works, mm -hmm. right? I mean, because yeah, on those videos, I used to put a pencil in the barrel and squeeze the trigger and the pencil would shoot out. So it shows that it works. Yeah. But I'm like, 10 pound trigger is just not, not going to fly, especially yeah. out of a 320. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And, um, you know, I, I did the concept video. It worked great. Awesome. But then mm -hmm. I took it back going, we need to fix this 10 pound trigger pull. Yeah. And really what it was, um, when I was done with doing the build, I was going to surcoat the frame. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to do, actually it was a, it's a product called micro slick from surcoat. So mm -hmm. basically with micro slick, you can run that gun dry. It, the MicroSlick was actually designed for engine parts. And, um, and, and MicroSlick is super easy to clean. If you get a bolt carrier for uh, an AR that's MicroSlicked, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically dunk it, dunk it in water, shake it around a little bit, and it'll come out clean. Really? It's awesome. Yeah, it, it stuff's awesome. So I was going to MicroSlick it, so I had uh, Sandblast at the frame. Mm -hmm. Get ready for the MicroSlick. Well, that then I didn't MicroSlick it. It's still not micro slicked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm sitting there going, that's where my problem is. Because, you know, you have that trigger comes up and you got the, the, the trigger bar coming in. Mm -hmm. All that stuff's kind of rubbing up against the frame. Yeah. I'm like, 
that's my problem. So then I sit there and I polished that area of the frame mm-hmm. went right down, right down to about a four and a half pound trigger pull. Yeah. Like there it is. But if you didn't take the time to troubleshoot, find out what the challenges are. I mean, most, exactly. most can be solved by understanding that, you know, when you work on stuff, there are burrs, polymer, loose material, you know, like, yep. uh, finding the the hacks to fixing mistakes because we all make mistakes you know I, I made mistakes on recent builds and you know i'm over 30 in in the uh 80 builds i even have a, a a ghost gunner 3 and i'm not currently using that shout out to cody wilson yeah i'm just je- i'm jealous about that <laughs> you know i promise uh if it didn't sound like uh an 18 wheeler was starting like with a harley inside, yeah you know, i I probably would be more likely to use it um, uh, on a more frequent basis. But, uh, man, I'll tell you that um, my my experience with the 320 was a little different in that um, I, I didn't understand at first that uh, the way the, the jig is shaped, how the front, um, where you kind of need to remove it like bunny ears, yep. I didn't know. So I was sticking this thing in, in the slide with the oh. 90 degree uh, yeah. good not good I, well i wasn't actually like putting it on but like i started oh. to put it on with like uh it was it was rough yeah <laughs> and i was like what am i missing and then i lined it back up i watched your video i watched putain's video 1776 supply co had a great video and of course like very recently after that they were all removed from youtube because you know whatever um but um because i started removing material from it um one of the issues that i experienced was my my jsd um you know mup1 the mup1 would work 98 to 99% of the time in the SIG 320. No SIG parts on it at all. This thing would run. Um, the only SIG part is this factory SIG module. The challenge was I was um, removing, I had removed too much material from the, uh, the rails. So the slide had a little vertical play because yeah. that, if I were to just simply pull the slide up a little bit, it it would give me a dead trigger every time. And the moment that I just pushed it down, it would be no problem. So I switched it back over to a, a factory. Um, once I realized that I removed too much material <laughs> and that you, you can't go backwards, guys, this is why people say yeah. measure twice, cut once. <laughs> Um, but it's my first build. I still have another mop and the jig. I could, I could crank another one out, uh, because this one that's in this right now is serialized, but this one had 250 rounds through it with only like three failures. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't too bad, but now this is a little crunchy on, you know, coming, coming back. And I think part of it was because, um, because of that issue some of the parts may be slightly out of spec uh, because of my uh, my beautiful conversion work here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little rough, guys, but uh, hey, I've built 
a lot since then. We all learn. We all learn. We all do. Hey, look, you know, I still have that first bump one running. Um, and I look at it going, yeah, especially where you're, um, where you, uh, I'm trying to remember the, what the area is called, but you basically, you got to drill a hole and then you got to cut out with a Dremel to yeah. make a slot. Yeah. You know, all this. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Right there at the trigger. Um, I look at my first one and just go, God, that, that it's such a hack job, but it works. Yeah, I, I freehanded that thing right there. If if you can't tell, wow. <laughs> yeah, and and probably the hardest part uh, about those things, everyone has a problem with it. Where the um, you know the the disassembly uh, safety, mm -hmm. um, where you got to cut that slot, that is such a pain. I'm sorry. Say it one more time. Uh, flying oh. Richard did to call me. Ah, well, I'm gonna have to. I'll have to send him a text. Tell him, hey, knock it off. It's my time. It's my time with dark. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, Dude, that, that 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 whole slot where the you know the the takedown safety latch goes into. Mm -hmm. Everyone butchers that. Unless you have a mill, you're just yeah. not gonna get that one perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. It. But I'll tell you what, man. If if there are people out there that like have done a few P80s and maybe looking for uh, a new challenge. The way the 80% world started was that you buy a stripped frame blank, an AR blank by itself, and then you went to another company and you bought a jig, right? It, it, it was yeah. P80 yeah. changed the game by making a kit with everything in it. So it's interesting that now after August the 24th of this year, 22, you know, people are back to the it's such a pain. I don't want to go here to get the frame and here to get the jig. No, this is how our world started, right? You got to get the up by itself. And then you got to go yeah. get the jig separately. Like this is only a minor inconvenience. And the people that are truly still passionate about building are going to continue building. And I encourage you guys all to build, keep building. Almost all of these P80s have frames in, and those are my personal frames. They have nothing to do with my DLD hardware business. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm going to continue building those. I'll 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 never stop. Yeah, and that's the thing is, um, you know, like like you, it, 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 it's an art now, right? Um, I want to do this. I, there was a time a few years ago. It's like. I don't care what it is. If it's an 80%, I want to build it. I'm yeah. still that way. Um, you know, they're un it's unfortunate that certain, certain firearms I can't do that with right now, but I know that that's going to change, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, we talked about tactical machining. Um, I, I, you know, for the 1911, I also have a, uh, a tactical machine lower uh, for an AR, uh, actually, the um, that blue AR-10 was a tactical machining lower. Mm. Uh, they, I remember when they came out with the 1022, the 80 percent 1022. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to do that one. I never got a chance to do that. Um, one day, I'm I want to do that. I want to do that build. Well, and there are so there are 3D printed options. I'm sure you know for yep. To receivers that work incredibly well even just with pla plus um there are some people like uh haywood um out there that's making 
a 3D 3D printed receiver for the 1022, a 3D printed barrel with a barrel sleeve, and a completely 3D printed unit that's like, I think, sub three pounds. And yeah, and it it runs like like a champ Um, with what uh, the Freedom Co. uh, development group did with um, uh, the Obsidian, which is the 3D printed Mac 11 lower and the 3D printed Mac 11 upper. Uh, They have, I think I'm allowed to say this, they have nine other designs already ready to go, catted out, just ready to hit the market. Well, Haywood saw what they did with the Obsidian and maybe he did this on his own, right? But he he went to a company that had carbon fiber and he said, hey, I want square carbon fiber tubes, this length, this width, this width, yeah. and made them. And now he's taking a 3D printed Mac lower and a tube of carbon fiber with a steel trunnion and boom, you, you have, there and this thing is like they, you know, if, if they believe that they can stop this, it is way too far, even with just serialized guns. Because I think a lot of us kind of start with assembly, right? I, I started with assembly, right? I started with ARs, assim- uh, you know, assembling ARs and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of us kind of venture off into the world of building and printing and things like that. But uh, even only considering a serialized firearms you can't remove the history and tradition of oh. of an entire country like there's no way there's no way so oh. please, please just stop guys it's not it's not worth it <laughs> yeah it's just i mean that's that i'd like to say um you know i started off with ars right assembling <laughs> ars um just figuring out how an ar works and you know taking it apart putting it back together uh, eventually becoming an FFL, working on ARs, understanding how they work, and and you know furthering that knowledge. I like to say that that was my gateway drug, right? Yeah. That that's that's what started it. Going okay, cool, let's do this. And then you know I had customers buying AR lowers, and then you know they were here in the shop. I had the tools, and. You know, like I said before, you know, I had some customers who were really great. They would just kind of hang out and we'd talk. And I'm sitting there at the computer just doing paperwork and stuff. And we're talking as they're building an AR on the bench. Because yeah. you know, they're they they've got their they've got their parts. They just wanna they just wanna put it together and I got the tools to yeah. just start doing it. And we'll just have a good old time. I mean it's build parties are not new, right? I mean, they've been around. Yeah. Um, and that's just what the culture has become. I mean, once you get into that, you get consumed by it. It's not hard to go down a rabbit hole. With yeah. it. Uh, and, uh, you know, now it's like, okay, I built this. Now I want to take that A2 front sight off and now I want to free float it. Yeah. Go for it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this is, these, these are the pins you got to punch out. And, you know, this is the, blo- the new gas block and, and they'll start doing that. And then sooner or later, it's going to be, Okay, well, how do I take an 80% lower and make that? Well, you're going to need, like you were saying, in the AR world, there was never a jig that came with an AR lower. Yep. Um, you know, and then there were some, the early jigs, whoo, man, when you're drilling all the holes, man, 
that was that was that was hard to see some people do those builds. Yeah. Um, but then you you come into the you know the five D tactical or you know, five you know five D tacticals. Um, yeah. And uh, what's the other one that's basically the clone of the you know the two of them are basically clones of each other. Yeah. Um, sad because I did videos on both of them. Oh, um, yeah. You never had a jig that came with them. So, like you said, we're we're just back to where we started. Those of us who have been doing this for a while, we're just like, All right, this is an inconvenience. Just like you said, it's an inconvenience, yeah. but it's not that hard. I mean, we can, it's the problem solved. Yeah, and, and I think you know it's it's important to to see you know private manufacturing for what it is of firearms for what it is from a couple different perspectives, right? Like it is fun it is fulfilling and it's probably one of the the few times you know I, I find joy in everything from spending time with my daughter and my family and you know doing things that we love to do but truly the only time when my brain is quiet and i get to sit down and just kind of just i don't zen. know yeah yeah like zen and just disappear yeah. in the, is is when I'm building firearms and you know building, customizing, um, anything like that, and for the fun of it, you know, for the love of guns, right? For yeah. joy, um, that's a big piece of it. And at the same time, the it has always been not only history and tradition, and in the text of our you know uh, founding documents and um, I think everybody listening is is going to acknowledge that. Uh, but also at one point it was an expectation that if a if a man is a military aged male, it's important that he be equipped with the ability to preserve his own life and the life around him that he loves. And whether that be from an animal, from you know, a tyrant or you know, anything like that, it's it's important that we remember that it is also our safeguard because if you look at everything that keeps us alive, the government controls it, right? And, and I, I don't intend to like sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything. I'm, I'm just saying in all actuality, for everyone listening, try to see this with, you know, remove any preconceived notion you may have and just hear me out. Your, your water, the government controls it. Your food, the government controls it. Your structure, your you know, um, your your home, right? The your shelter, the government controls it, and your security, the government controls it. Your ability to procure housing and to procure firearms is, in several ways, controlled by the government. So one of the only ways that we can not only demand but guarantee that we can have modern the equivalent to modern military tools of preservation is by building and having the capability of building and going back to the, the founding of this country where you had a blacksmith, you had a guy that's job was to build, you know, knives and, and, and swords and pots, pots everything. Yeah. yeah. Tools. He, he built his own tools to to blade to make, to, with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he built his own tools to build tools. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, we we can't forget that without sounding like I need to adjust my tinfoil hat while I'm saying this, is that the the final safeguard of the true United States of America, the the constitutional republic that we live in, not this democratic stuff that people are talking about, the true constitutional republic that we live in, the only true safeguard is our capability of being unrestricted to uh, have modern items that could potentially fight off any tyrannical force, forcing you to do anything that is encroaching on your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's so why for anybody, anybody in the in the audience has had a problem with this concept. I'm gonna run something a little different. A lot of people know I'm very big on being debt free, right? Because when you owe money, you're in servitude. You're serving that debt, yeah. right? So uh, a lot of people in the audience are, in, and I know, you know, the night that I was on your show, we talked about this pretty deep because um, I have no bills. Mm -hmm. But do I not, you know, I own this house. There's no mortgage on this house. You know, I, I am my, my wife. You know, the two of us are own this house. But we really don't own this house. Yeah. Because... If I stop paying property taxes, who will own my house? Very quickly, the government. The government will. I mean, yeah. you know, we talked beforehand. Some of the people in the audience know that, um, you know, in October, uh, November of last year, my department was eliminated at my day job. And I still, even though I had no income coming in, I still, I, I remember going down to the city county building to pay the taxes on this house. I don't have a mortgage. It was great. You know, I had savings. We built up. My wife and I had prepared for me losing a job because in the work that I do, that's just what happens, right? I mean, in when things go bad, my departments are usually the first ones to go. <clears throat> it sucks, but it happens. But we prepared for it. We don't have car payments. You know, our newest car is a uh, 2010 Ford Fusion been paid for for years yeah uh my wife she's driving her car from before we were even dating wow right? it was a it's a night it's a 96 honda civic um we have a 99 dodge durango all those cars have been paid for long ago yeah but yeah don't pay your taxes you'll find out how much you really don't own something True. They'll come take it. Yeah. Yeah. And in most states, try to uh, try to collect rainwater on that property that you own. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That. Yeah. Colorado. Um, yeah. Colorado says you can't. You don't own the rain. You know, yep. the water to cut, falls out of the sky. You don't have a right to it. Even uh, under federal real estate law. When you own that property, you own everything, the ground, what's below it, to the sky, and what's above it, everything. Imagine like a force field, just a nonstop force field going up and down. You own everything, but you don't own the rain. You don't own the sun. You don't own, like, we're not allowed to utilize our own resources. It's wild. So positioning, positioning yourself, like, like you said, like, um, 
just in case of a rainy day, no pun intended, uh, just in case of a rainy day, being as prepared as possible, it doesn't necessarily mean having two pallets of MREs in, in your base. Wow. It, it's, it's preparing for everything from a blackout to a loss of a job to, uh, you know, uh, did, like, did you mention that you guys had a, a garden? We do. We have a 1,600 square foot garden. We, we grow our own food. We can our food. Um, How much did yeah. that during the, the lack of uh, employment? We lived off of it a lot. Um, and this was a decent year for the garden, too. So we were eating. And, you know, I'm trying to think. There's not a meal. There's probably not a meal that we didn't eat something from our garden from either this year or years past. That's incredible. Um, even now, we still do. Uh, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, my wife makes her own spaghetti sauce. You're going to love this story. So my wife, my wife comes from an Italian family. They like their, they like their spaghetti sauce. Yep. Um, so one of her friends back in Delaware, you know, they got talking about spaghetti sauce. And she goes, oh, yeah, I make my own spaghetti sauce. I take ragu and whatever else. And I mix them together and we eat it. And then, so, yeah, mind you, we don't, I, I'm not bringing in money at the time. My wife sends two, can, uh, you know, two jars of her spaghetti sauce that she made. Mm -hmm. um, and it was shipped it out to Delaware. And then, so one night, her friend makes spaghetti and she uses my wife's spaghetti sauce. And they're like, this is great. She's like, that was so insulting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like, because it was spaghetti sauce that she made out of tomatoes that we grew in our garden organically, right? And, you know, we don't use artificial fertilizers. We don't use pesticides. We don't. We control what's in our food. Yeah. Um, there's no preservatives in it. Mm. Um, we pressure can it, so therefore we don't have to add a preservative in. Yeah. Um, and it's, honestly, she's got the best damn sauce. She really does. She makes pizza sauce, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have that stuff. Uh, you know, when we buy food, we buy food in bulk. And when I mean bulk, I don't mean like going to Costco. Um, when we buy our meat, we buy a half a cow and a whole hog. That is food for 18 months for, for my wife and I to, uh, to eat. So mm -hmm. right before I lost my job, we had just ordered food. Mm -hmm. When I was out of a job, we were eating T-bones. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Know, and we had food. We were not worried about food. We had food. Yeah. Um, we were worried about, every, you know, we worried about everything else. You know, we had to pay taxes on the house. We still got to pay insurance. Got to pay insurance on the cars. Got, you know, electricity, water. Um, but we weren't freaking out. I mean, um, I did a post on my LinkedIn the, the day after I lost my job. Mm -hmm. And I took a picture at... What my boss couldn't even show up to let my department go. Wow. So our HR director was running around trying to find my boss. He was out having coffee at Starbucks. He was supposed to be there to let my department go. So I took a picture of the folder because I knew that, you know, all of our discharge papers were there. Mm. And then the next day, uh, the next day we took the dogs to the park. I got a chance to not, freak out 
that I, you know, I knew we had so much savings, we had so much food, um, and no, they were, they're not pallets of MREs. Uh, my, my wife is a borderline celiac, and I am um, gluten intolerant. Um, I, I, I can't ingest in gluten, but cross-contamination doesn't bother me, right? Okay. So we have very specific dietary needs. Yeah. MREs are not going to cut it for us, but hey, yep. no big deal. Um, you know, we grow our own food in the garden. We, you know, we have our, our, our meat source. Uh, we have four apple trees, five plum trees, and, um, a couple of cherry trees and a couple of cherry bushes. Um, we had, we had frozen, we had, a we had plums. We had frozen plums because we had so much, we just couldn't eat it. So we froze them. Yeah. Well, then we had another crop that came up. Well, I'm sitting there going, hmm, let's make plum wine. So no. we made we made alcohol. <laughs> That's awesome. You know? um, this year we had like a crap load of apples. Uh, in the other room is uh, I'm trying I'm trying um, hard cider this year. Nice. <laughs> so you you learn to do things. I mean, everybody, if you realize, you know, I'm not a big I'm not big on alcohol. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it, uh, but it's not like what drives me. Yeah. But then you realize like, okay, cool. I want to, I want alcohol. Tax, alcohol is taxed. Yeah. That beef I bought, like you were talking about. FDA is involved in that beef. Yeah. FDA is involved in that pork. Um, you know, electrical codes and uh, codes for county, state, and all that stuff, yeah. You mm. have no idea how much you, it, as reduced as we are, we've reduced our footprint so much. We still, we are still not, we're still not masters of ourselves. The government still tells us what our food can look like. What, you know, um, they're going to control our property or taxes. Mm. Uh, there's a homeowners association in here. They can tell us, I mean, we tell them what to do. They technically can say you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah. I, um, like I like to call homeowners associations. It's private government. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, they leave us the hell alone. Um, but you have so many things that you're not in control of. Going time back, federal government says that we they don't want us building these things. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? Tough. Tough. We're still doing it. Yeah. I have no plan. I have no plans to stop it because it's something I enjoy. Like you were talking about, when there's two things that there's two there's two things that for me that I am truly in my element where everything else melts away. It's when I'm working on a gun, and when I'm on the firing line shooting. Yeah, I'm at those are my Zen places. I yeah. sit there and I am, you know, when I'm shooting. I'm down to the point where I'm. Under, you know, I'm paying attention to the trigger pull, how the trigger feels. It, it, all my senses are firing on all that stuff. Yeah, that's the only place that I completely melt away. That I'm truly myself, right? Other than that, I am. I'm. I'm a slave to the government, one way or another. Uh, I think uh, if everyone is, um, if everyone is honest with themselves, I think they'll see that they are as well, right? Especially the mm -hmm. folks, no judgment, right? I'm just saying we all, 
notice things at different times in our in our lives at different speeds. But you know, most folks get their groceries delivered. You know, most folks aren't in control of their of their food as you are. Most folks have their mortgage or or their rent, which is them paying someone else's mortgage. Um, most people buy factory guns. You know, most and that's okay, right? But um, I think I, I I I've noticed that you know most guys that say build their own guns they're also the kind of guys that build their own workbenches and build their own stills and build their <laughs> you know you're like, i will allow nothing to get in the way of me achieving what i desire yeah. and that's just cool as hell and but one question i would have is do you get the same or similar fulfillment out of say building like a still that you do like building a, a firearm or so so I don't own a still because um, making wine and making cider is not distilling. It's fermenting. Oh, that's right. So, so that's just, that's just fermenting. So, um, but doing the research of how to do that is, you know, I did, I, I get a lot of enjoyment. You know, like I said before, I'm a very technical person. You know, I do cybersecurity. I've been in IT for almost 26 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get the chance to build things, right? I, yeah, I get to build, I, you know, I used to build networks. I used to build, you know, uh, security frameworks, stuff like that. But I don't get to build something tangible. I don't get to build something I can feel, touch, grab. Um, I told you the story about when I was building this bench, uh, mm-hmm. which those of you, well, yeah, you have to look at my Instagram to see that stuff. But I yeah. built a whole new set of benches in, in the studio here. I mean, this bench here, I built. This was butcher block that I built. This was all pallets that I had cut cut apart, glued together, finished. I I have a lot of enjoyment building this, right? Yeah. Um, that those bench tops are plywood, um, but it was I picked the plywood. It's not your regular floor plywood, right? I mean, this is stuff that's like sixty five dollars of board. Uh, or, you know, a sheet and I, I picked it and I knew I had double it and all that stuff. And then I stained it and stuff like that. I, I enjoy doing that because again, I don't get to build things. So yes, uh, when I build something, whether it's a gun, a bench, um, or I ferment some um, plums to make wine, or I ferment some apples to make some apple juice, uh, you know, some hard cider, or when we, one year we had too much tomatoes. Well, there's only so much tomato sauce you can make, right? There's only so much pizza sauce you can make. And mm-hmm. I went, huh, I wonder how you make tomato soup. Because <laughs> we, we also can soup as well. Um, you know, it's my wife and I and two dogs. We have turkey. You know, when, when Thanksgiving comes around and turkeys go on sale, we buy turkeys. Mm-hmm. We have turkeys probably two or three times a year. Well, it's just the two of us. We can't eat a whole turkey, especially, you know, before it goes bad. So we eat a turkey. Then right after we eat the turkey, um, while we're doing dishes, we actually pick the turkey and we make turkey soup. Then we can turkey soup. And then what's great about that is that, you know, we have the turkey, Mm -hmm. but then the carrots. We have, you know, canned carrots from our garden. Um, And, and, you know, we're, we're using all the stuff from our garden, uh, making the tomato sauce, um, 
you know, that's all stuff from our, you know, it's the tomatoes and all the other stuff that, that she puts in, we put in, you know, came out of our garden. Yeah. We do these things called spicy carrots. And we learned this from a Mexican restaurant um, that we used to eat at back on the East Coast. And because we like them. And what there is just sliced carrots that are canned with jal sliced jalapenos. And, the, oh, you know, the, the heat from the jalapenos, the carrots are kind of, they're, they're high in sugar. Yeah. Um, we use those for nachos, right? Mm. We make nachos. It's canned tomatoes and peppers that we diced up and, can and canned ourselves, plus these spicy carrots yeah. with the meat and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, we, we enjoy doing stuff. We enjoy making stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's an enjoyment for us because it's, it's something completely different than my day life. Yeah, and I, I think the, the level of satisfaction that you get when you complete something and it is something functional that you can use that you like Mr. Snow earlier, we were talking about Mr. Snow. There's not a thing that guy can't make it, you know, well, no, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. It, it's, it's just remarkable. And I love seeing that these people exist amongst all aspects and the guys that uh, are doing uh, the developments for 3D printing, man, I, I would imagine that they're very similar in bringing something to life and having it be something, you know, functional. And I think that's a trait that I see in a lot of, of builders. And if something doesn't work, I'm going to make it work. <laughs> and if something uh, that doesn't work, if I can't make it work, I'm going to scrap that and I'll design something <laughs> that will work. Yeah. It's, uh, and yeah. I have to see that those people typically have behavior that is very solution driven, solution focused. They don't complain too often, you know, and it reminds me there is a lot of, uh, of literature and verbiage from, you know, the Federalist Papers and a lot of the, uh, the quotes from when our founding documents were created, where they, they speak of virtuous people, where they speak of people like, just the way that, that they speak is like, man, they're coming from a place of gratitude and virtue and integrity. And I feel like that's slowly withering away because everything is just being given to us. I'd like to say that, uh, yeah, and I did a podcast because, so, you know, this is the Monday podcast. You know, we're actually recording this Wednesday. It'll come out on Monday. Um, the Wednesday podcast, which came out today, and there'll be another one next week. The Wednesday podcast is a, sh is a short podcast, right? It's 10 minutes or less. And it's me talking about things. And I talk about things like that one of these Wednesday podcasts was, are we losing our edge as a country? Because we're losing skills. Right, we lose skills. I mean, it used to be, uh, you know, hard cider was more prevalent than beer pre-American Revolution mm -hmm. because that's what was there. That's what they made alcohol with was was apples. Mm -hmm. um, you know, before they started working with the grains and stuff, then beer became popular. You know, the, learning those skills, I, I had to learn those skills. I, I imagine, like, you know, we had too much apples. We made applesauce too, right? Yep. We canned applesauce. We've only been canning, gosh, 
10 years. Now I'm, mm. I just turned 50 this year. So I, and I, I sit there and, you know, my wife and I had to learn, we started learning water bath canning. And then we started learning about pressure canning and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and I sit there and go, this is a skill that my great grandparents knew. Yeah. They had and died in and died in my family with them. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're relearning a skill. And, um, you know, there's been many people I've talked to, like, uh, we had, too much plums this year. We did as much as we could with the plums. We froze some plums. And then we gave a bunch to a neighbor across the street. And and they're like, well, what do you do? Because you know, they they do walks in the neighborhood and they see you know, they see the side yard with all the all the garden and all the trees and stuff. And they're like, what do you do with that stuff? And I was like, oh, I'm trying, you know, hard cider this year, but before I've made wine. And they're just like, Oh, I never thought about wine and they have grapes. They're like, we have too much grape. We get so sick of grapes. I'm <laughs> like, they're like, we might want to do that. I'm like, hey, if you want to, if you want to make some wine, I'll help yeah. you. I'll lend you the gear, right? As long as my as long as my fermenters are not being used, you're welcome. I'll, I'll come over here and show you. Yeah. And you know, they're sitting there and they're, they're even uh, probably a little bit older than us. And they're just letting they're going, huh. They never thought about making their own wine before. Yeah. It, it's something that's uh, kind of been reprogrammed out of us. You know, my yes. so my um, grandmother, both of my grandmothers actually um, made, you know, homemade sauce. I, I have an Italian family. I'm only 25% Italian, but um, Italian, Irish, German, and Welsh. You know, everything was either you know, homemade, home built. And, you know, it, it, if it was like clothes and things like that, you're going to wear it till it fits you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think a lot of that's kind of programmed out of us because of, you know, a lot, a lot of, um, of what we have available to us is kind of built into this world of consumerism and ease of yeah and everything is down the street around the corner one click away and it's really changed who we are now the problem is that we're no longer dependent on ourselves like what you're talking about with with our neighbors and and community not only loving to work with each other but needing to work with each other you have great i have plums let's i have equipment let's work let's meet together um bartering it's community and even that because we don't need to leave our homes nowadays it's funny because my neighbor uh to the south of me when he first moved in we didn't really didn't like him (laughs) and and we had a kind of a feeling he didn't really like us either right Mm-hmm. Um, we're very quiet people. He's, he's young. So, you know, it, it was loud and stuff like that. And then it wasn't really till later he found out that, uh, a girlfriend he had was causing problems in the neighborhood for him that he didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, when she, finally he came, you know, we got talking and he's like, Hey, do you have a problem with me? I'm like, well, you know, Hey dude, you know, this, this happened, this happened. He didn't even know about it. Right. He's like, I am so sorry. Um, He's a great neighbor now, right? Because we talk. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things like uh, I have a lawn tractor and it's older. 
and I had a problem with the seat and he's got a, he's got a, a, a repair truck cause he does, you know, big, you know, machinery repair for like, you know, dozers and stuff like that. And I like call him up, say, Hey dude, you, would you mind like throwing some welds into something for me? Yeah, no problem. Bring it over. And you know, um, he's a single person and he's like, you know, he'll send me a text going, Hey man, I'm going to be on vacation. No one should be at the house. So if you see something, you know, call the cops for me. And we just watch out for each other. Yeah. The people across the street from them, we, I mean, we've lived in this house, uh, 16 years now. Um, we really didn't talk you know, the person directly across from us, you know, friendly with him, but not like too super friendly, but you know, we're waving. He, I've seen him try to unload something from his truck. I'll go over and help him. He'll, you know, vice versa. Uh, yeah. The people next to them, they were the grapes. We just learned about grapes literally this weekend. Wow. Um, and, you know, we talked about this stuff. We were friendly with them, but again, we didn't know them. And then we're starting to learn these neighbors because now we're starting to reach out to the other neighbors. Yeah. Um, just because my life's changing, right? My philosophies have changed over the years that... I was into the Amazon economy, right? Yeah. I want it. I want it now. Uh, I don't want to wait. Uh, give it to me. You know, I, I don't want to do this. Now I'm down to the point where um, I just want to relax and enjoy life. Yeah. Enjoying life can, can still be work. Um, it's just I'm working for myself. Yeah. That's independence. That is yeah. true. If everything just stopped or shut off, you and your family and your neighbors, it would be highly get together. This would be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing. I, I so I, I remember I did a post years ago on, on a forum where I was talking about being a sovereign citizen. And when you say sovereign citizen, people are like, oh my God, you're in Montana, you're out in the woods. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> None of that. Right? Sovereign citizen is taking responsibility for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. My actions are my actions. I take responsibility for them. I'm also going to take responsibility for my well-being. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have my own thought process, right? I'm yeah. not going to listen to one political party over another because, yeah. quite frankly, both of them suck. Two heads of a um, Yeah, exactly. Um, both of them are going to lie. You know, that's why I start, you know, on the podcast, I talk a lot about the audience going, hey, if you see statistics, try to get back to the original data, because statistics can be swayed either way. Yep. Right. Go back to the original data and and look at it. Don't take my word for it. If you can't get the original data, don't trust the, the statistic that you were given. Yep. You know, it always kills me. You know, they, they talk about, you know, out of, you know. 70% of voters are going to vote this. Uh, okay, well, what's your polling sample? <laughs> well, your polling sample was 10 people. Yeah. And you probably knew them, you know? Um, well, they know it. I, I saw just uh, a, a week or maybe two ago, um, I recently had one of my videos taken down by YouTube, and it happened to be a video with me, Dugan Ashley, and Johnny B, which was a very important show it was cool you know um but during the show there was a conversation about the 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 thing that happens every four years where you vote a person into office 
and um, because somebody said that they didn't know if it was 100% free and clear, that someone may have not been honest, that and that's their views on it, whatever, that's fine. Um, it was removed by um, by YouTube. But anyway, my, my point to bringing this up is that uh, Johnny B recently posted two notifications that he got back to back. One was from CNN and one was from Fox News. Fox News said um, inflation uh, soars to a, uh, you know, um, uh, a new summit of 8.3% and blah, 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 like, you know, uh, and then CNN reports, uh, literally these were side by side. CNN says, went down. Uh, yeah. Inflation yeah. comes reaching halt at 8.3%. It's like, yeah. you both lie. You, you're, you're, you both have narratives. And this is what I want people to realize is that having that, that thought of, of independence and saying, I'm going to make my own decision and my own life choices regardless. And like you said, taking responsibility for your own actions, for what you do and for what you don't do. And just taking complete ownership of, of your life, which means your thoughts must be organic. You can receive information from people, but come to your own conclusion and not in a Absolutely. cheap YouTubers say it like, well, you know, I'll give you the information. You do some research, you come to your own conclusion. No, if you don't go past the first page on Google, we're not going to talk about, you know, <laughs> actual research. Yeah. You know, it, they both sides will use things against you. Well, I remember explaining to my wife, and this was a, a few years ago, um, obviously way before I ever lost a job. We were talking about unemployment numbers. Mm -hmm. And then... I explained to her how unemployment numbers work. You know, they talk about, you know, there's unemployment fell. And this was really kind of a pandemic when everybody was losing their job. You, I mean, you you felt that during yep. the pandemic. Yep. And then suddenly unemployment numbers just dropped, right? And my wife's like, but wait, there's there's nobody, you know, everybody's hiring. There's, there's nobody there. How can unemployment suddenly drop? I go, you don't understand. It dropped because the way they figure unemployment is, is the amount of people who are on unemployment are accepting a check. Yeah. Once you run out of unemployment, you know, you know, the unemployment runs out, you are no longer unemployed. She goes, but they're not working. I go, right. But you're yeah. no longer unemployed because you're not accepting the, and I'm going to use air quotes, benefit yeah and she's like well that's a crappy statistic and go that's the way it works so yep. when you're looking at at no one no one's hire, you know everyone's hiring but no one they can't get anyone yep. and unemployment suddenly drops it has nothing to do with somebody i go you're out of work but you're not unemployed <laughs> yeah yep. it's crazy i people um, I think are waking up to this, they're realizing that most, not only most mainstream medias, but most alt medias now, the really, really big YouTube channels, the really big social media presences, even those, these massive media con conglomerates, they understand that the world has moved to alt media for the most part, right? So, they're even reaching their hands out to 
most of those influencers, and they're buying them. And the mainstream media has spent decades and decades and decades of studying not just marketing. They're studying human psychology. They're studying yeah. neuro-linguistic programming to understand you know, how to say certain things to embed messages yeah. into what they say. They're literally programming people. And I know this is also gonna sound crazy, but I'm, I'm saying this so people understand. Oh, don't, don't even believe me, right? Just, just yeah. be skeptical, be you know, a healthy skeptic and say, huh, hearing that information is interesting. I'm gonna look into the to the truth of the matter. And you would be blown away at the kind of information you find when you just get curious. Just be curious. It, be yeah. it is. Yeah, so it's funny you bring this up and I tell you about the Wednesday podcast. So the the podcast that uh came out today was um anti-gunners are changing their tactics. Mm -hmm. And what really spurred this was and, and you know her Sarah Joy Albright. Mm -hmm. Right from Hold My Guns, yeah. she was on uh, a panel for suicide prevention, and it was a YouTube video. And she was up, uh, she uh, you know they had a moderator. It was Sarah and two people from every town from you know every town for gun control. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. She held her own. It was great, and you know, and and when you go through this thing, it was all about suicide prevention you know, keeping people from committing suicide with firearms. And you listen to these Anytown people and they're like, they're talking about it, you know, and they're, they're making sense, right? Because suicide's a bad thing. Yeah. But when you start peeling back the layers as you're talking, you see all the propaganda yep. that was through that. It, right at the end of the speech, they started hitting, you know, well, you know, what are the resources? Well, we have moms demand action and we have students demand action. I'm like, Wow. Okay. Finally, you, you finally hit us in the face with a sledgehammer, right? Yeah. Um, but all through all through your little speech, you're hitting us with a tack hammer. You know. Yeah. Um, you know they're pushing their statistics. You know they, this is our site where we have statistics, and I've seen things disappear from their statistics site. You know, yeah. I've been out there doing research, going, "This was here yesterday. It's not there today." Yeah. You got someone found a flaw in your statistics, and you're hiding. Suddenly, it just it's gone. The article's yeah. gone. Everything's gone. Um, definitely go back. That's why I'm so big about going back to the original data. Mm -hmm. um, propaganda is everywhere, and, and I and, and and everybody, like I said before, there's propaganda from the left. There's propaganda from right. There's propaganda from the middle. Yep. Um, there's I I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I conduct propaganda, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to build. These, I want you to build a lot of them, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's propaganda. Well, I, I believe in it, right? Yeah. But that's my point of view. I, I think that we should have these rights. You know, we have these rights and they shouldn't be impeded. Yeah, um, yeah of course, my, po my podcast has a little bit of propaganda in it. Yeah. That's my point of view. Yeah. I think the, the difference becomes when... So I don't think your intention is to, you know, dive in and it's, it's not malicious. Yeah. It's not like let's change everyone's mind. You you very yeah. well may change a lot of minds out there. And you know, same with with my show and, and others like us that, you know, we'll 
will make an impact. And uh, we had a, a couple shows on substance abuse and substance abuse and recovery and even substance abuse and recovery and firearms, right? Like that's a, that's a real, a, a real, you know, a real thing. thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, um, it's all about like, what, what's the intention behind it? It, the reason that they throw out these like, um, you know, buzzwords and these one liners and these things and you start to hear them everywhere. Tell me that that you've heard recently. People say all over the mainstream media, school um, mass tragic events are the number one leading death yeah. in the United States of America for children. Um, yeah, actually. So what's funny you say that, uh, I saw, I think it was today, I saw a whole infographic about it today. And I'm sitting there going, huh, how did you skew those figures to get that one? Yeah, I, I've i never seen any information even remotely close to that. But they they are going to find a way to skew the data in their favor to make it seem like there may be a possibility of a thread that they can pull and then, of course, there'll, there'll be no retraction. There'll be no apology video. There'll be no, it's just sweep it under the rug and, and make well, it. And, and even if there is, so even if there is a retraction in the print, right? In a newspaper mm -hmm. article, mm -hmm. it's going to be buried somewhere in the middle of the paper that no one sees it. Yeah. Um, if it's a retraction in a video, it's going to be so small and no one's ever going to see it, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, they're not going. They're not going to do that they're, because it does. It doesn't meet their narrative, right? Yeah. If if they have to admit they're wrong, well, their credibility shot. Yeah, it's game over. It, it's like uh, you know the whole issue with Jeffrey Tubin, right? And Jeffrey Tubin did this. Um, I, I was going to say terrible thing, but he did this private thing that because it wasn't private, <laughs> it was a terrible act, um, and. Uh, they had him back on CNN within like a week, and they were like, "Yep, yeah, yeah, this and yeah, he's uh, he's back." It's like that's it. Well, this dude was yeah. like, "Really? You're just gonna sweep that under the rug?" Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I it's bad. I, I mean, I and hate accept it. I hate that, people accept it. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. I, I and that's the sad thing is that. You know, you and I are both very open-minded people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't get me wrong. We have our opinions. Yeah. But we'll at least, we'll at least hear the other side. Yeah, of course. And some sometimes I can be swayed, right? Sometimes I've heard things like, uh, I forget who was on the podcast. Who was I talking to? I, I was like, it was uh, Joe Petrolino uh, was on. We were talking about a constitutional carry. Mm -hmm. Well, Montana has constitutional carry. He goes, no, you have permitlessly you permitless carry yeah. and i'm sitting there going uh, well what's the difference and he goes constitutional carry means that you wouldn't need permission at all because you passed a law in your state that you can carry without a permit the government gave you that right the constitutional constitution says you have that right to begin with you didn't need to ask permission yeah. for it yeah. And I'm sitting there going, like, crap, I've been saying constitutional carry when I really mean per permitless carry. I mean, he changed my mind. Now, we're still both on the same side of it, but mm -hmm. I, 
he said something, made an argument, and I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I can think about things, you know, uh, Sarah Joy Albright was on the, on the show. We got talking about, you know, suicide. And mm-hmm. one of the things I had a problem with was uh, doctors asking, you know, do you have firearms in the house? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's none of your damn business. And, and Sarah was explaining, she goes, the reason she explained to me why they asked that question. Now, of course, some of it's a little propaganda, right? Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. It's the government trying to get statistics. She goes, but a doctor that truly cares is asking that because they're trying to help you, right? You yeah. need some resources for that. I'm like, okay, I can get that. But now I got to look at my doctor and go, which way do I want to go? And she's like, look, it's perfectly fine to say this is an inappropriate uh, discussion between you and I. Yeah. And I'm like, I never thought about saying it that way before. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm very, hey, I'm shutting you down. Yeah. It's just, just, all you got to say is this is, I I think, I feel that this is an inappropriate conversation between us. I'm like, that's People are, are, are so scared of judgment that they're more terrified being looked at as exactly. Yeah, they're exactly. like, I want them to think I'm rude. So let me just give you all of my personal information and freedom and independence. You know, it's like, uh, yep. yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. So, well, man, yeah. we've been rolling for two over two hours and we got yeah. talking for 50 minutes before. I know. Um, and it's getting late your time because uh, it's nine here. So that's 11 o'clock your time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's been great having you on. Man. I, I, I absolutely love talking to you, man. I, you know, I, I can't say enough about your, about your, your show. Cause I, like I said, I absolutely enjoyed being on it. Um, I think it's great. I, I love the way you present things. So, yeah. Let's let the audience know how they can get a hold of you. You know, where can where can they reach you? Where can they reach your 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 show, your Instagram? And for everybody yeah. watching and listening, I'll have the links down below. So if you're driving a car, don't try to write this stuff down. You just come back and click on the link. Yeah, yeah. Please, everybody out there, be safe. <laughs> click on the link later. Um, but so I'm dark uh, with DLD after dark. Um, the 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 channel name is is uh, a, a long story, which I would love to tell. And you, you may actually be able to find it if you watch enough of my videos. Um, but as of now, DLD stands for Destructive Liberty Device. <laughs> 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 but uh, so I have a YouTube channel. It's DLD After Dark. Uh, I've had it for about a year and a half. Uh, I go live every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Usually the uh, stream is available at 9.30. So a bunch of the the, you know, usual suspects that come in and hang out. We'll just come in and start chatting with everybody in there. And then the stream will go live, usually with me or me and a guest at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. Hopefully that's not too confusing. Uh, I am uh, also on Instagram at DLD After Dark. I run a website called DLD Hardware where people can get jigs and other gunsmithing tools. Uh, and um, I'm on Twitter and stuff like that too, but anything DLD after dark, check us out. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. So I like to wrap up with my guests doing a speed round. So really it's just a, this or that, a series of this or that questions, just kind of loosen things up and it's all gun related. So for the first question, nine millimeter 
or 45? So 45 should be thrown in the trash and you load nine millimeter in your magazines that, no, uh, <laughs> aside, I just uh, built a 21. So I like 45, but I love nine millimeter. Okay. So would you rather have a rifle or a pistol? Yes. Which one, which <laughs> one would you reach for first? Let me put it that way. Oh, so I, you, got I really... you got a table sitting right in front of you. There's an AR and a Glock. Which one are you grabbing first? I'm probably going to grab the rifle. Chances are I'll also have a Glock inside my waistband too. But oh, <laughs> every tool is built, right? But let's say I'd likely grab a, a rifle. Okay. Although I'm good to 100 For, yards. <laughs> there you go. For hearing protection, would you rather have Earmuffs or earplugs? I'm a Peltor earmuff, elect electronic okay. earmuff. Yeah. Awesome. And let's see here. How about this? PLA or nylon? Oof. So currently I'm not set up for carbon fiber nylon. So right now I'd say PLA plus. If I could just snap my fingers and have a Voron with an all metal hot in in front of me, printing carbon fiber nylon, yes, I would absolutely choose okay. that. And then for the final question, if you can only have one gun that has ever existed in history, Woo. What gun would it be? Mm. Wow. Um, people are likely going to hate this. But I would ask to have the 12 and a half inch Ruger AC556. Oh, there you go. Safe, semi, three round burst, full auto, all in one package, stainless folding stock, Stainless barrel, stainless bolt. It's just a beauty. I would make a couple changes to it if I could, but <laughs> I would accept it as is because it is so badass. Under an armpit, slung on a on a. I mean, it's it's great. It's it is the the jack of most trades. That is awesome. Hey, Dark Man, thanks so much for joining me tonight. It's been great talking again. Um, we definitely got to make sure we don't wait over a year before we talk. I, I know. know. I mean, it's, it's it was a couple of months just for the two of us to get this one planned out because both of us have been running around with like our hair on fire. Well, that's why I'm bald, and that's why I wear a ball cap. But um, <laughs> a little left, I got a little. <laughs> you, got, you got you got a lot more left than I do. Um, <laughs> but let's make sure it's not been over a year since we talked, man. It, it's I, I always enjoy talking to you, man, and and everybody in the audience. Make sure you go check his stuff out because. It's a, it's a great time. He's got some great content. And if you want to open your mind just a little bit, it's definitely the place to go. I appreciate that. I do. And I love chatting with you, um, not only on, you know, streams and podcasts, but also just, you know, on the phone and on Instagram and stuff. So uh, I also, I admire you a great deal as, as a builder, uh, but also as a person. Like, 
what you've achieved in your life with independence and just, you know, homesteading and doing everything that you can for yourself. I admire that a great deal. And it's a place where I intend to be one day. And uh, yeah, kudos to you. I, Matt, I, I appreciate that. I hope everybody gets there. Um, you know, there is a content creator that both of us know that um, I talked to. We just happened to have been trying to ring through when we were podcasting tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. we talk a little, you know, he asked me a lot about um, about that. You know, how did you become, um, you know, in, you know in financially independent? And I don't say independent. It's a really bad thing. You know, how do, how do we become debt free? And they go, it was tough. And it, we were definitely going the other way, right? We yeah. were mounting, we were amassing a lot amount of debt and it was unsustainable. But fortunately, we, under, we, we stopped it before it got really bad. We never screwed up our credit report. Um, and, you know, he asked me stuff. And I go, hey, look, I'm not a financial advisor. But if, I, if this situation exists, this is what we would probably look at. So I hope everybody gets there because guys and girls and, well, I only recognize two genders. Um, uh, it's, you have no idea how much of a slave to a machine you are because of debt. So definitely eliminate debt when you can, and mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be overnight, but it is definitely a journey. And it's one that's when you have a lot of debt, you pay it off. You will swear you will never go through that process again. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for, uh, for having me and I really appreciate what you do as well. Thank you. I really like Dark. He's such a great guy and definitely go check out his channel. I'll have the links down below. And well, if you're looking at doing any type of 80%, definitely check his place for the jigs. Now, like I said, we could talk forever. We went two hours, well, a little over two hours and I cut it off because, well, it's starting to get long and it's getting late his time because he's two hours ahead of me. And, um, well, to give you an idea of how long we talk, we talked for 50 minutes before we even hit record. And then we recorded for over two hours. And then afterwards, we talked for another half hour afterwards. Dark and I can really get talking and it's really awesome to listen to him and to have conversations with him. So I'm gonna have that link again. I know I told you before, but I really, really want you to check out his channel. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. I look forward to talking to you again soon.